0: Hoodoo
1: Plant Mamas. Get your soul fed and your spirit red.
2: This here ain't the trend. I possess the power from way back when.
3: Back when folk was stripped from all of their kin So they had to find the magic within. And sex ancestors together my earth, I conjure at my altar. Hoodoo Plant Mamas.
2: I manifest growth and I release trauma. Ciao, we just out here trying to water our plants and mind our business,
3: you know? Everybody from the deep south, man, everybody can have a culture like us. Hey y'all, and welcome to another episode of Hoodoo Plant Mamas. I'm one of your hosts, Leah Nicole. And I'm Danny B. And today we're excited to be joined by Finnegan's Farms. So if the two of you would like to introduce yourselves. Yeah, for sure.
0: My name is Amanda. I am one of the co-founders
2: of Finnegan's Farms. Oh, I'm Claire and I'm the other co-founder of Finnegan's Farms. Can you tell us where y'all, like where is the uh, base set at in, with Finnegan's Farms?
0: Yeah, so really the base is wherever we, we are. We're in Michigan right now. Um, we're in Southeast Michigan, more specifically the Metro Detroit area. Um, so all of our projects right now are based in Detroit.
2: Cool. All right. Well, before we get started into learning more about um you guys' work, um, can we do a little check in first with our guest and we can start with you, Claire. How are you today?
1: You know, I'm doing good. Just despite the rain and the cold, we're we're doing okay. We're solid. We're grounded today. <laughs> what about you, Amanda?
0: I'm doing good. I'm honestly a little tired, but I, I'm good. i good. I don't have anything really to complain about. I
2: feel that. And Leah?
3: um, You know, I'm making it. Recently, I was listening to Rags to Witches podcast, and they were talking about, like, empaths and energy. And I know for me, I've been feeling a little down and stuff. So I have been um doing a lot of protection work, doing a lot of cleansing my house, my body, my spirit. So yeah, that's where I've been. Okay. I think I guess we're all kind of in the same boat.
2: I'm just burnt out from school and stuff. Mm. And just feeling weird. I don't know if I'm depressed or something, but I got a therapist, <laughs> so that's good. Um <laughs> but yeah, so I'm making it and I'm here. Um, So I guess I'll get us started off with a little gratitude before we dig into everything Um, Today, I'm thankful for the podcast and I'm thankful for our guests. This is just always a bright spot Um, Just doing this is like a little bright spot in my life even when everything else feels like it's not going well So I'm thankful for that today
3: I I'm also grateful for this podcast. I'm grateful for all of the support that we've gotten. Um, I think we have reached at like our six month mark. And right now we have about a thousand downloads a month. So that's really good. (laughs) So thank you all all for listening and supporting us.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I'll go next now. I'm grateful for the podcast. Oh, that's so nice. Um, But you know, today I'm super grateful for my family. It's been a hell of a 2 weeks and they have kept me grounded and solid and encouraged so i could actually like move forward in what i needed to do the best thing to do for our family and it it was hell but i'm so just grateful to have them here with me so that i could have gotten through it cuz i just yeah it was a mess it was a mess but so we we made it
0: um let's see for me i think i'm grateful the most for rest I've been like, like or the ability to rest, or l- I guess so having learned the lesson to rest. Um, I am usually just like kind of a person that just go, 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 go. Um, but lately, I've just been like, no, like, it's okay, you can t- you can relax. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that, because it's the thing that I needed the most, especially over this weekend. And I think maybe six months ago, I probably would have thought like that was the end of the world if I spent a weekend actually resting. So I'm grateful.
2: What? Yes. Praises to rest. <laughs> All right. Um, well, so to first get started for people who don't know who Finnegan's Farms is, tell us a little bit about um what inspired it and then when did you all finally just say this is what we're going to do and this is our mission I know that's so big Mm -hmm. um, but
1: (laughs) you know oh man okay well we're probably we have to tell the story together because there's so many parts that just ping pong back and forth we were living in in separate states at the time there was just kind of like so much going on but uh, if I have to take the story all the way back to like I don't know we were six years old and Mm -hmm. I realized then and there that anything that Amanda was gonna do I just had to get on board with it so that's kind of like been our sister relationship she comes to me and says I'm building a spaceship we're going to the moon and I'm like all right well let's go to Home Depot let's get the steel what do, what do you need you got your trajectories what's what's happening and that's just like how we do things so oh my goodness 2018 Amanda 19? I don't no, know Look,
0: 2019
1: yeah okay so wait, I don't even remember where I was at that time, but. You called me up one day and you were like, I've got an idea, sit down and listen. And she started with Finnegan's Farm. So, Amanda, I'll let you start, you know, catch up and get to that point in the story.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) I should say that I am not like, I'm not like a boss or anything like that. I just, I have a really, I have a really incredible siblings that are really supportive of things And so I'm the youngest. And I guess at this point, you know, in time, like they just realized, like, you know, the youngest is usually the wild one. Um, And I'm usually the one that's just like, hey, I want to do this thing. Like, do you think I can do it? Um, I had a bajillion hobbies as a kid. But um, what happened was I was finishing up my well, I was midway through my master's program when I finally decided that I was going to make it a reality but when I started the program I was like you know I really want to get deeper into agriculture um, understanding it um, its inner workings how that works on a level for like black people um, indigenous people Um, so I focused a lot on that while I was finishing my MS and By the time I had come to the end of that program, I was like, okay, I know that this is what I want to do, but I don't know how I want to do that. So basically what my background is, is rebuilding communities and um, just networks after there's been a disaster of some sort. So, you know, whether that's like making a, a plan on the emergency side Um, Before any something happens, you know, like emergency preparedness, or if there's like, you know, disaster relief and recovery and whatnot. So understanding how to rebuild a community post any type of disaster, but also knowing like, okay, these types of diseases are going to be like more prevalent now because this is what the environment looks like. So. I understood all of those kinds of things, but the thing that stuck out to me was agriculture, you know? So like after you've established clean water and making sure that people are free from disease, how do you make sure that you are stimulating the local economy so that even in the wake of another disaster, we have the money for the infrastructure to help us in the long run, right? And so these are things that I learned how to do for the government, um, how to do for big corporations. But it was something that I was like, I need to translate that into something that is going to help people that look like me, period. Um, I went to school, got all of this knowledge, and the biggest disaster that I faced my entire life, right? Like, Michigan doesn't get lots of natural disasters. We might get a tornado, we might get a flood in some, you know, random town, but we don't really get disasters. And even in a snowstorm, we know how to take care of it. So it's just like, The thing that we faced here was hunger, like what we don't have right in these like uptown cities, right, where you've got, right, these black people that have migrated up north, right, are these like big infrastructures that are going to take care of these black people up here. And the thing that really got a lot of black people going from the beginning was agriculture in these spaces. So just kind of bringing that back to it, and I was like, you know, we can be there to support other black and brown people and other just, you know, people who want to be autonomous when it comes to their food. Um, And that is the thing that, you know, that's what we can contribute. We can help you to restart or to just start or to just have some sort of support as you are growing food for your community, um, whether that's in a community garden, a backyard garden, or all the way down to, getting a farmer's market set up in your community or a farm stand so yeah I pretty much was like I know how to do this stuff so why can't Mm -hmm. we just do it for the you know why can't we do it for the people in our community and see how big it gets Um, because it's not just Detroit that has this issue it's people all over Um, so yeah that's that's really how we started it was an idea I was formulating based off of what I was learning in school and when I got far enough into my program where I felt like I understood it I called um, my sister up and I was like hey you know what you have the administration background I have this sort of knowledge I feel like we could really go go places with this so I just you know at the time I had finished undergrad grad school and I had talked to a lot of people in a lot of different fields that had become friends so I you know talked to an interior designer and was like what would it look like if I did this and then you know talked to my graphic designer friend and was like, hey, can you help me draw this thing up so that these people can help me do this? And it's just taken off from there. We've had a lot of support and
3: it's been awesome. Yeah. So um, part of your mission statement is that you said that food justice is racial justice and human rights. And I know you talked a little bit about that, but can y'all elaborate a little more?
1: Through just the work that Amanda has done and just like your own research, Food has been used for years to oppress people. You know, you you move into an area and the business might not want, you know, certain customers. They remove the things that you eat from their grocery store. So now your way of life is affected because you can't even get necessary items from the places where you live, but you also don't have the resources to move to a place that offers the things that you eat. Um, And that was just something that I was like, you're not aware of it until you start to see it. So that's really you know where it started and why we kind of started that because everyone deserves to eat what they want to eat what's good for them good you know food that's affordable and sustainable everybody deserves that very right and we see very often that black and brown people and other minorities just they just don't have it they just don't have it in their communities you want to add on amanda I
0: thought you said it well oh, you know i think No, i got it yeah no it's you know, we firmly believe that every person should be able to feed themselves in dignity. Um, you have a right to that. You have a right to healthy food. And even though we've talked ourselves, you know, we've been victims that have are victims of a system that has tried to teach us that, like, one, that our ancestral food is unhealthy. Um, but two, has tried to teach us, you know, that this separation of knowing where your food comes from and, you know, that separation from you and your food is is healthy and it's not and it's not what we all want right mm-hmm. we want to have that autonomy so that's that's how we see it and we found you know that having security in your food truly is a race based thing it's a class-based thing depends on what you look like and how much money you have you know that's really what's going to de- that's going to dictate wh- what kind of health care you get it's going to dictate what kind of food you get
2: for sure I'm glad that y'all mentioned that because it kind of wraps into something that I saw. I saw on the Instagram page, but I also saw on the website, this term called food apartheid. I had never heard of
3: that term.
2: And I guess it's maybe pretty self-explanatory, but I was like, wow, like it just, it really does fit the way like everything is structured in certain Mm -hmm. communities um, as y'all were talking, I was thinking about back to childhood, how, you know, when I lived really deep in the country, we had to drive like yeah. 15 or 20 minutes to get to a grocery store. And, you know, sometimes like if my mom didn't feel like it or her car wasn't working, we would have to just go to this little country store <laughs> and just get a bunch of like right. processed stuff um, that wasn't that healthy, um, or, you know, nutritious or whatever. So yeah. Can y'all talk a little bit? A little bit about this term like is this is like where did this term come from and like can you talk a little bit about it in the context of the United States so people can get an idea of like what that actually is they might see that it's like even happening in their own communities that kind of thing
0: yeah for sure so one of the books that I really that I started reading when I really wanted to dig into black agriculture. So agriculture in and of itself is a very white field now, although agriculture in this, these United States were built on the backs of black people. It's a very white field now. And so even in the canon of knowledge that you learn, as you dip into the field, you don't get a lot of material that came from black people. And so in my digging for all of that, I came across the book Farming While Black. Um, it was done by Leah Penniman. Um, if you are familiar with her, she is one of those who works with Soul Fire Farm. Um, they're really dope. Please check them out. Um, but they have a book and it really talks about kind of like the history of farming, but also just like what to do with your land when you get it. It's a, it's a nice guidebook in and understanding. Um, she's got a couple of other, you know, she's been on like podcasts and things like that. But one of the terms that she talked about was food apartheid. Um so it was first I heard it there first when she mentioned it but I didn't look it up until I think I saw someone say, say something on Instagram about it and this was like over a year ago at least a year and a half ago I was like oh okay um that's that's interesting because it really breaks down the separation of food from people um and why and it explains why that's happening and it's not just you know, the word food desert just says like, oh, there's no food in that space. Or the word food swamp might indicate that the food that is there is not good food to eat. But like food desert expresses why the food is not there in the first place and that there is an absence of food. And it also speaks to the quality of the food as well and the history of why it's there. So we talk about your access to land. So that falls into food apartheid because you think about, okay, if I don't have the ability to buy the plot of land to build my own grocery store to have in my own space in my own community, then someone else can do it who has more money. So like Clarissa mentioned, hey, you know, I could anyone could come into the community, post up, make a grocery store, and then now I'm only going to put in food that will attract the people that I want to come into the store, not the people that actually live in the community. So that's just a big separation. That's like a that's a divide right there. You also have to think about land ownership with Black and Brown people or with women Um, trying to get a plot of land by yourself. Is it's not impossible because we've seen people do it, but it is very difficult, especially um, you know just based off of how much money you have and what you look like. Um, And then you look at labor. So it's you know, and that that taps into our migrant workers, like where's our food? Who's picking our food? Where's it coming from? Who's growing our food and how are they treated? Are they given livable wages? Um, And then that history of the way that we treat those who do agricultural labor now is based off off of how we treated black people when we initially got agriculture big and booming here in the United States. And then that last part is just food you know, food access. So your land, labor, and food access, those all fall into food apartheid. So again, that access to being able to get culturally relevant food at the grocery store, or to get food that is actually fresh and good to eat, or, um, you know, has, does not, you know, food that's actually been grown in a sustainable way, that's going to help the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of that, that all falls into food apartheid because then now if I say hey these this community is experiencing a you know food apartheid or is is undergoing this that situation you guys now understand that whole context behind it of like oh wow now those you know the people there are going through this 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 it's not so much oh they just don't have good food to eat no like the people there can't buy the property around right there can't you know, get a job that pays them a livable wage. People are in that area can't get food that's that's healthy and clean. It's a, a lot of factors. Exactly.
2: Um, I was going to say before we get into the next thing that like, I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought up the migrant workers thing and how they're mm-hmm. being treated. And because I don't know if y'all follow um, Erica Hart on uh, Instagram, but there was this big thing where a bunch of um, white vegans were coming for them because they posted um, them and some friends cooking uh, crabs. Um, So, you know, crabs are alive when you put them in the thing. So I guess for some people that's pretty jarring, but, um, but she, yeah, but they talked a lot about um, just like all of the different things that go into like vegan food and how people think that somehow they're, Vegan lifestyle is cruelty free when it's not because they're not thinking about the humans that have to pick their food and the abuses that are happening to those people on the lands that they're working on. so, yeah, I just wanted to add that because it was something that I was thinking about ever since that happened, because I was like, I thought, I don't know. I don't know why I thought something changed, but I was like, man, I can't believe people are really like coming, coming for them over that um, post of cooking crabs and making it about um something else but yeah veganism <laughs> yeah i think that also speaks to you know
0: i i keep seeing stuff about that and it, i think about it in t- in the just the way of just like we've created another hierarchy within our food system again you know like yeah. some people are vegan because they physically can't digest animal products or some people are vegan because they live off the land and they can't afford to go do you know go and get a bunch of other stuff or some people are vegan simply because they have the privilege to not eat meat or other animal byproducts exactly and so it's like when we do that i that always it's like oh please relax y'all like we cannot do this not over no no we're gonna for there's freedom in the food free the food let it go If people their dietary habits just let it go (laughs) like please just no no that yeah that's always so frustrating me because I'm like I can't just leave people alone and if they come and they ask for support
1: support them there you go it's simple as that
3: so Danny talked a little bit earlier about her relationship and her access to food and I was very similar when I was younger I also lived in a rural area. um, And one of the first times that I had fresh produce was when like my papa uh, had a garden. And then when I was like seven, we had a garden. Um, And that was like the first time that I knew that peanuts grew in the ground and stuff, just (laughs) little things like that. Mm. But um, I wanted to talk more about our relationship to food. I know this is a big question to ask, Because so many of us don't even know how to grow it. Um, we don't know where our food comes from. And even then, there's also this scarcity thing. Like, um, when I was younger, I was told to eat all the food on my plate, even if mm-hmm. I was full. And so, even now... Yeah. like. I'm trying to do more intuitive eating, where I listen to my body when it's hungry, where I listen to myself when I'm full. But I still struggle with that because I'm like, I don't want to waste mm-hmm. food. Um, you don't want to waste, yeah. So I just wanted to talk more about y'all's relationship with food and if there's any way that we can heal the relationship that we have.
1: Oh, absolutely. This is a, a journey that I've been on for a, a really long time, actually. Just you know, touching on your point when. You have to, everybody has to get into the clean plate club. You know, you can't let anything go to waste because you might not have some tomorrow. And like, that's just trauma. And you can still see it today. We, I see it with my parents all the time where things might even be expired, but you're encouraged to find something else to do with it because you might not get it again. That is not a fear that anybody should have. There should be enough food that you don't have to worry where your next meal is coming from you know but also just healing your relationship with food I mean it's been years and years and years of people telling us that our food is not good to eat since when are collard greens not good to eat that's kale y'all it's kale it's kale (laughs) you know what I'm saying when is it not good to eat a a fried green tomato like these are things that are like culturally significant to us and we've been told you can't eat that you can't have it can't have any food so now already the foods that I like that you know, we celebrate with are inherently bad. So I have to go and figure out what to eat. But I also have to make sure whatever I'm eating has all these ingredients and not so much sugar and not so much this. It's gotta be vegan. It's gotta be cruelty free. And those are things that are not I'm not able to access readily here. So now the food that I'm want to eat, I'm not allowed to. The stuff that I'm supposed to eat I can't afford or I can't get to it. And then whatever I do eat, I have to eat all of it up because I might not get any more. So breaking all of those things have been very, very hard. And I can just say from a, a personal level, I the intuitive eating things is amazing and you just you eat so you're full and you have to tell yourself, It's okay for me to let it go. It's okay. It's all right. And that that's hard. I've had moments where, you know, I, I have a, a one year old and sometimes I give him a full plate of food and he doesn't want any of it. And I've had moments where I broke down, like, I cannot believe you are wasting this food mama had to go to work for this like I'm I'm feeling sad I'm feeling anxiety because we're wasting but you're like he's cool what are you gonna do move on we'll eat at the next thing so it it takes time it takes it's shifting your mindset of it's okay to let it go and especially now that we garden a lot and you know that like good food is still coming and you're still going to be fed it gets it gets easier over time to be like I will eat again. I'll probably eat in 20 minutes because I only had a cracker this time. So food is coming. All right. It's <laughs> all right. It's just you have to heal. We have to heal as black people from all of that and just come back to our roots, eat the things that we know are good for us, good, you know, in our diets and make sure that we have ways for everybody to access it so they can do it too. That's really what it is.
0: Yeah, I think my relationship with food is a little bit different just because I don't know. I was a really picky eater as a kid. Um, so I always had that fight. <laughs> I was the kid who sat at the table and, and all the lights are out and I'm yeah. I sleep here if I have to, I'm not eating it though. Um, yep. and so I think I always had that kind of like, <laughs> no, God, like, no, I'm not, no. Um, and I think maybe, maybe I was just that person in the, gen- in our generation that just kind of snapped and broke that cycle of like, no, we should be able yeah. to eat what we want to eat. And the thing that's like, you know, as a five year old, yes, I am all for food autonomy. I want to <laughs> eat goldfish <laughs> and fruit snacks. But as an adult, of course, I'm like, no, you know what? I want to be able to eat food that's not, that doesn't have like high levels of like heavy metals in it. You know, that's what I want to be able yeah. to eat. And like, I'm putting my foot down about it and I don't care that you're mad. So that's kind of how I've translated that, um, but yeah, I enjoy cooking quite a bit, and I think that that's one thing that we can do. I know that like, like I, I'm sure other cultures love to cook, but I know like we talk about that a lot, especially around the holidays, like yeah. Thanksgiving with Black people, Christmas at Black in Black households, like all of those fun hashtags. Yeah. Like, we're, they're about food, right? They're always about like who made the mac and cheese, who made the greens. Like those types of things, like getting have, finding joy around food every day, and not just on holidays, not just on Juneteenth, right? Like not just when we're all together, but thinking like, oh, this is fun. I can do this again. I do. I do think that we can heal our relationship with food. Um, you know, we do have hundreds and hundreds of years of scarring that we've had, we're gonna have to work through. But I definitely think we can heal that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah a simple way to do it or to start would be to just start enjoying that food every day or enjoy cooking you know yeah a lot of times I'll cook a meal for the whole house and I won't even eat (laughs) like I was just like I have fun I was having fun cooking I'll taste it you know I might like make myself a sandwich and just like let everybody else eat just because it was like
1: something that was fun to do so yeah yeah I mean and even adding to that over well, for Christmas I got my mother this this history of African American cooking cookbook because she collects cookbooks and we started cooking just once a week a meal out of that book and that has just been amazing to have those flavors in the house and it was also just really really fun to see some of the recipes that we had we we ate a lot of braised celery because that was one of the favorites. <laughs> Not good. Oh I don't recommend it, but we we had a lot of celery. But just to see the meals in there that were, I mean, vegetarian, most of them were vegetarian, if not vegan meals. And I was just like, that's amazing because these recipes were collected, you know, from slaves and passed down through the ages. And it wasn't all, you know, they like to pretend like the slaves only ate pork or ate chitlins and watermelon, like the whole time that they were down there. And it just like
2: see the history in the meals was amazing. I loved it. So place to start, at least. Well, I think this, my comment is probably going to go into the next really good question that Leah posed because she's so good at writing questions. But (laughs) man, I was thinking about our relationship to food and uh, I forgot which one of y'all said it, but I was thinking about how like when you're trying to like be healthy or whatever, then you start kind of denouncing the food that you grew up on, like how you said Like how Claire said, like collard greens is just kales, but then you're like, (laughs) oh, you know, and even like, I remember when I was, I was vegetarian for two years and I remember, um, you know, I, I couldn't use meat in my greens because I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I can't use um, meat. And I would call my grandma and ask how to make greens. And of course she's going to tell me, oh, you got to put some turkey back in there or whatever. Um, but now I'm just kind of at a place where I just feel like, um, like how can we honor, I I don't know. I feel like us kind of getting back into growing our own food, um, in a particular way does honor our ancestors, honors, honors those practices. Um, and like, when we think about like our grandparents and stuff, a lot of them grew up off of like, gardens um and that kind of thing so i i'm going all around the world to say yeah i think the narrative (laughs) that like soul food is um Mm -hmm. unhealthy is just kind of silly just because most of our i mean especially if you're have roots in the south or whatever like our grandparents they grew up they grew up off of garden food chickens your my grandmother's mother had a chicken that laid the eggs and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so it's just kind of like I don't know I just think it's really important to like change that narrative about soul food because I think people have good intentions when they want to be healthy but then you say oh this culturally significant type of foods are bad for us when they're not you know exactly and I mean that happens everywhere that happens they they do that with all cultures especially (laughs)
3: people of color it's I don't know, it's, you know, racism and violence, really. And I'm also thinking, like, I remember I moved from Mississippi like um, four years ago, and one of the first meals that I craved was catfish and spaghetti, uh, which mm-hmm. is this really big Mississippi meal. And I remember eating it because at the time I was focusing on incorporating more um, vegetables into my diet, eating less meat, all of these things. And I remember eating it and it was just like the way my body responded to it was a lot better than these foods that Mm -hmm. I'm not even used to. And I I don't even know how to explain it. It was just like, I ate it, um, my body felt good and yeah. It's like a piece of home. Yeah, it is. (laughs) It's kind of like, okay, so
0: whenever we do a project, and we're, like, around, like, if we're in the city and we're doing a project that's, like, closer to one of our, like, favorite places to eat, it doesn't matter if, like, we don't, like, forget a diet or anything like that. It's like, oh, we're here. We're going to go get some of that. You know? Like, I lived outside of the state for a while. Um, to actually go to multiple states in and out. But, like, I always, when I came home, I was like, no, I got to eat. And that's like that. I think that's what it is. Or when I was homesick, I would go to restaurants that were like as close as possible to what I could get at home. Or even I would attempt to cook the thing that I made at home or like that someone else made just because it's like, I don't know, I think it does I think it's just like a nice exchange in your body that happens when you get that like taste of home. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. Um, So this is our last question before the break. So in a lot of your work, you talk about this give and take from the land, from the environment, Mm -hmm. and it's very much in line with hoodoo and other African folk practices. So I wanted to ask y'all if you could talk more about being a part of the ecosystem instead of feeling Mm -hmm. like we're separated from it.
1: So I like to stress the importance of balance, balance in all things. And I think just as people, we forget that we are part of the world, not just living on it and controlling it and things like that. And we've shifted that mindset, you know, like we're, we don't want to be like animals. We don't live in jungles. So we don't technically work with the ecosystem. And we see that everywhere and just the things that we plant, the food that we grow and where we grow it and how we grow it the things that we overproduce here because we're not trying to be part of our ecosystem we're just trying to take as much as we can from it so you see problems now like where all of our topsoil is like no longer farmable and things like that and people are actually becoming nutrient deficient and the the food's not good for you because we're not working you know how we're supposed to be working everything is has a season everything has a place where it needs to grow and we've gotten so far away from that, that it's no longer working for us. So um, we need to have a balance and we've gotten away from that and we're seeing our food suffer.
0: Yeah, I think I say so. I am usually the not usually so like on our Instagram page, that's kind of a mixture of the two of us. But typically, if you like, I think you guys both follow our Twitter page. Um, That's usually me, um, because I'm the only one who has that, like, the login for that. Um, But I'll be, I'll kind of like, I don't want to say I'll pop off on Twitter, but um, I did say some things about the ecosystem and our balance within that I think are worth bringing up. Um, But I was just looking now for one of the tweets. When I think of the our balance, you know, the same thing, you know, it's that balance within the ecosystem. And like when we were became removed from that, we lost a part of ourselves. So I'll just read what I wrote because I think it summed it up perfectly. Um, but I said yeah. the myth of white superiority, in order to sustain itself, separated us from land, thus removing humans as a key component required to remain in balance. Because in separating humans from the ecosystem, we became removed from cyclical time and non-hierarchical centers for growth. Um, I think that that just really plays into like the whole, I don't have to be responsible for anything um, when we removed ourselves from that. Like I, I can be a human and because I'm a human, I'm at the top of the food chain. I can stomp through, you know. This space, I can cut down these trees. I can spray these pesticides. I can plant this invasive species. Right there's like all of these different things that that come when you remove yourself yeah. from be responsible within your ecosystem. Um, and I also noted uh, when we remove ourselves from being held accountable to the whole ecosystem, our activism becomes dangerous. So when you don't exactly take in the entire picture right and you're just helping this one little component you do such a disservice to the rest of the cycle because now you're not trying to support this part as it works in tandem with the whole you're just supporting that part that you think needs your needs your help needs your savior. exactly um and so removing that savior complex so right like you, you it's part of that balance right like you don't want to destroy the ecosystem but you also don't want to come in with a savior complex you are to remain in balance with the whole balance right people plants and animals you have you have a space you have a role um and even if you do point that to like biblical um like foundations the whole point of the people in the garden of eden was for them to be caretakers for the earth so even still if we do decide to come in and work with our ecosystem, we still should even like in that frame of mind, you should be thinking of your work in, with the ecosystem mm-hmm. as more of, um, not like indentured servitude, but more in, in like, you know, servant, servant almost, you know, you're there to protect a space and to lead the space, but yeah, no, everything yeah. works together. And um, it's all energy moving through everything and so where you want to preserve that in the best way you can within yourself but also in the environment that yeah. you live in.
1: I mean and you can even take that on a small scale doing things in your backyard that improve the the environment around you. So one thing we we're really really mindful of as we we're putting our plants in this season is just like What actually grows here? What would be happy here? And what would the animals around here like appreciate? Those kinds of things. What do the bees need out here? What are the local insects and what do they eat? And what, how can we work together? Are there, am I planting anything that's going to deter animals from coming this way or coming into my garden and why? And is that even safe for them to eat? You know, like, um, there's a plant that my mother loves. I can't remember what it is, but it's not good for the bunnies that live out here. But she used to plant them to keep them out, not thinking that that makes them sick. You know, so now you're at. you've come in, you've put tasty treats inside, you've enticed me, but now you have put poison around the garden which like not saying you know when all the bunnies in there but you have to think about the ways that you disrupt even in your backyard and make sure that you're working in tandem i mean it's not good for crops but you actually want something to be trying to eat your food because that means it's good food if nothing's touching if nothing's eating your garden i i I wouldn't be eating it the bunnies don't want it i don't want it what's in your food so things (laughs)
3: it's things like that you have to keep in mind okay I have a question because a squirrel <laughs> is like eating my plants out there and I don't know what to do. I <laughs> uh, getting those
0: questions actually quite a bit um it kind of just a, like so um that honestly that is so that's really gonna be like environment specific so what you know like what is it eating um would like is it eating is it eating everything in the garden or like, is it no, just taking like by my tomatoes? No, it's like my fig
3: tree. Okay. Also something, something was biting my tomatoes. It could have been that. Oh, it probably was. Yeah. I think you, okay. you know, I think this is one of
0: those, you're going to have to beat them to it kind of a thing this summer. Okay. <laughs> um, Cause that's like, I'm sorry. I hate to sit, break it to you, but you have a good garden. Like, you know, so <laughs> <try. laughs> But yeah, that's, you know, we think about like when we, even in our, so we teach one of our classes that we teach for the season is about ecosystem. We used to call it ecosystem management, but it's more like, you know, understanding your critter community. Um, And that's, we talk a lot about like, okay, well, how do you like repel mosquitoes from the space? But also like, how would I attract a pollinator? And then like, what do I do with the critters that are eating in my garden? Mm -hmm. and what is it that they're coming to get specifically but yeah the yeah you're gonna have to beat them to it you know sometimes it's (laughs) it's a matter of getting it before it gets gets ripe and just letting it ripen in the house um stuff like that
1: yeah yeah it could be that because they're gonna wait until it's prime pickings and then they're going to get (laughs) Yeah, okay, they're tomato. gonna look
0: at it the same way. You'll be dream- you'll both be dreaming that dreaming, <laughs> looking at it. You'll be looking at it from the window, he'll be looking at it from a tree. You guys are like mm, one more day. But he gets up out before you and there- no tomato.
3: I had no idea what was eating it. I just would go outside and there were these bite marks all over my plant. And I'm like, what's going on? But today I went outside to water them and there was a squirrel sitting there, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's you. I bet he just looked at you too like you were the one like in <laughs> his space. I don't know what's up with these squirrels yeah he yeah. probably was he probably was like wow this is who's been coming to take my food <laughs> <laughs> um so do we want to take a quick break or yes, how yes we, we can do take a leave? quick
3: break Thank y'all for listening to our podcast. Your support is always appreciated. If you're looking for other ways to support, you can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at HoodooPlants and Instagram at Plant Mamas. Make sure to share new episodes with your friends. If you want to donate to our podcast, you have the option of joining our Patreon, where we share exclusive content like mini-sows, tarot readings, and spiritual lessons. All we ask for is a monthly donation of $5. If you prefer a one-time donation, you can give any amount you want on Cash App, dollar sign, Who Plant Mamas, or PayPal, who plant mamas at gmail.com. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, email us at
2: who plant at gmail.com. We especially want to work with Black, Indigenous, PLC owned and queer-owned businesses, but if you're a white business, want to support the work of two Black women, we'll take that too. Let's get back to the show. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about, because I live in an apartment, I have a little balcony, but it's just, like, not a lot of, like, land space, and I've really been interested in, um, having like a mini garden on my balcony. Um, I seen that, uh, Juju Bay has showed this on her, uh, Instagram. She had like strawberries, tomatoes, all kind of stuff. And I was like, man, you in Baltimore. I didn't even know y'all could like grow stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I am not well traveled. Okay. I didn't, I was like, she in the city growing all that. I need to figure out how to do this. Um, on my balcony because I just I didn't know that you could do all of that without it being like attached to the actual um land mm-hmm. so could y'all mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how to get started with a garden at home absolutely yeah, that's well a I think um first thing what you need to figure
1: out what you want to grow what space you actually have to grow and then what would grow best in that space like does that those are like three good good places to start because you might have really good intentions but you know every plant is different like you know like people we need different things i might not want that much hydration amanda might need to be watered every single day so you have to figure those things out because if you get let's say some strawberries and your strawberries don't like your sunlight or the water or whatever they're not going to produce fruit they're just going to be unhappy little strawberry plants so you have to kind of figure <laughs> that out first um and then I would always recommend if you have if you've never grown anything start small because when I first started gardening I wanted to do all of it all the plants all the berries all the stuff which is great but then I let a couple gardens just like completely die which just a, a plant killer over here because I didn't have the capacity <laughs> to take care of it but you get one Two plants, you love them, you grow, you see your harvest, and then you add in another plant and another plant. And before you know it, your whole apartment <laughs> is full of, of plants. Your whole life is full of plants. So okay. that's, that's like a really great story. Yeah, I recommend,
0: you know, if you're in a small space and you're like, I, I just have a little deck. I don't have a backyard, really. I just have a little patio. Um, and I still want to be able to sit on it. So how do I, you know, get this space here? Um, I would say at most start with like four buckets, um, container gardening with buckets. That has been, that's super easy. You can either get it to where you have your bucket and you're just, you just set it directly on the, on the, like the, the balcony or what you can do is you can get these little plant stands that actually hold the buckets for you they're really cute because it makes the garden look like it's a whole unit but even still if you're if you're like no I'm not about to build a shelf or get one made um then you can just get all you know buckets that are cute colors that you like um the size of those standard ones that you might get at like Home Depot or at Lowe's I don't know the gallons on it and i don't want to be wrong but like that that size um if you were gonna do tomatoes they need a foot for drainage like they need a mm-hmm. foot deep of of a space so keep that in mind when you're looking for any of your buckets as long as it's a you know eight inches to a foot but i will go with the foot you're good um and all you need is just you know a bucket your dirt you know your soil and your like a drill or even a hammer and a, a, you know, some nails if you don't want to get a drill. Um, and you're just going to make sure that there's holes in the bottom for drainage, fill it up, put your plants in it and just set it out. Um, there, but yeah, I would go with, do like one of each kind of little plant, you know, like one thing is tomatoes, one of them is just lettuce, you know, like a little lettuce planter. Um, and like lettuce I would do in probably like little smaller pots but like stuff like that. Yeah, container gardening is a super space saving um way to to get your garden going if you don't have room or if you don't have a like, garden.
2: Um yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm definitely interested in tomatoes. I love tomatoes. Um my concern is that my balcony area is shaded, so I don't even know if like Ooh. I don't even know how that work even. I used to live in a apartment where the sun came directly in and now it's like trees so mm. I guess that would be a stumble like an issue if it can't get enough sun but yeah
3: I don't know if that's an issue uh I live in zone 10A I think so it's really hot um mm-hmm. in the summer and I try to garden in March like normal people Um, And I realized that my tomato plant kept burning and then it kind of died down. And then it started to come back to life around August, September. Um, And then I saw that Black Girls with Gardens, she also lives in Florida. She does winter gardening. And it's Mm -hmm. enough sunlight and it's enough like warmth and stuff to grow tomatoes. So I don't know if tomatoes need direct sunlight listen, that's all I I need.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It all just depends on like, what you have in your environment. So like, our backyard right now, there's parts of it that like, they don't get it doesn't get that much sunlight. And so I had to be really mindful of what is actually going to bloom back there. What Mm -hmm. what likes just a little casual sun, because it's not going to be, you know, all of that. And what would be okay in the backyard that does get like eight hours of really good sunlight because my deck plants would not be happy out there at all. It would just be too much for them. So you could always look into that and look into like some low light levels that are low light plants that also bear fruit and are there. That might be a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: like you could do probably like a lot of lettuce back there, a lot of leafy greens. Um, But yeah, you can, you know, and I don't, you know, I tell people to get their seeds where you know where they're going to get their seeds preferably from you know black and indigenous seed you know spaces but you know there are seeds that have been modified to i mean like tomato plants that have been modified to grow in shade or to like grow in shadier areas um and you can find those usually or even you know if you can't find the the, just the transplant itself you can usually find like a seed um online or, you mm-hmm. know, especially if you're buying from local seed places, sometimes they'll have seeds that are like, oh, these are these are seeds for tomatoes that grow in this specific climate.
3: OK, so I know a lot of y'all mission is kind of like sustainability. And I've seen the TikTok mm-hmm. where you use toilet paper rolls to start a oh garden. So I was. Yeah. <laughs> so I was wondering if are do you all have any ideas that you can share about materials or things to reuse uh, for people just getting started or maybe for people on a budget who want to grow their own food at home?
1: Absolutely. Mm So I'm, I'm on a budget. So all of (laughs) everything (laughs) we do here has to be sustainable. Um, And basically we just, when we go to the store and we buy things, when we run out of anything, we always want to make sure that we can reuse it. So if you're just like, well, I don't have pots. Do you have jars? Grow some things in jars. There's lots of things that just prefer water or that you could put um, dirt into and start some seedlings in just your jars. Like you just get creative. And um, a big thing that Amanda has kind of enforced in the house is before we throw anything away, yes, (laughs) before we throw anything away, we assess if there's a purpose that something that we can use it for. Can this be mulch? Can this be compost? Can we start some seeds in this? Can I get my glass cutter and and make this into a not a table, a, a a cup or something like that. What can we do with this item? And if it really truly has no use, we recycle it, it's gotta go. But that's how we look at every single thing in the house before we throw it away. Even the paper towels. Is it is that is that really wet enough? Can I put that in a compost? Can I tear that up and do something with it? Can we turn it into an art project? Anything. So it's just really just getting in that mindset of like, what else could I use this? Or if it's garbage, it's garbage. But just start to think about the other purposes that your stuff has and get creative. Get creative. You can pretty much grow anything. You can at least start seedlings and like anything that will hold water and hold some dirt. You can start something in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's really it. Like, you know, we saw the, the paper towel when I saw someone do it. And I was like, might as well try it, or like newspaper pots. Like one thing yeah. that's really dope is like if you don't have pots to start your garden, but maybe you have two dollars, um, you can go purchase a newspaper. Um, use the non-glossy the non-glossy paper, um, and you can actually just make little pots out of your out of a newspaper. So now I have however many pages of newspaper I had. That's how many pots <laughs> I have. Instead of right. me trying to even go to the dollar store and. 50 pots because now that's $50 that I didn't have. Um right. yeah, that was actually something that was a little bit shocking to me. Um I realized that newspapers were not free anymore, or maybe newspapers <laughs> were never free. I maybe <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I maybe I shouldn't have said that, but here goes the public shame. Like I literally didn't know they were not
3: they're
1: free where me. I live. Okay, okay. So,
0: okay. we're not free so, yeah. in so some places. All Okay, yeah, because where we are, they're like $2, and I was like, oh!
1: And you had to go find it. We went to three stores looking for a a newspaper. Three stores!
3: Yeah, so maybe that
0: should be a sign. You should sign up to support your local newspaper subscription. Yes, please. Because
3: I go to the um, grocery store, and they have a newsstand there, and it's free. So I grab a stack, and I use that for composting
0: right that's what I did I just walked into the grocery store and they were like uh those are not free I was like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to you (laughs) I I was very confused um oh here's there's another trick okay if you are somewhere like let's say you can only get your potting soil from the dollar store so dollar store usually sells it um, one thing you can do is fortify it you know turn it into fertilizer so add to it the nutrients that it would need so the fertilizer I use which the inform- that the recipe I have for my fertilizer I've has been passed down to me um, but we add a little bit of pineapple, add a little bit of like fish and then add a little bit of bananas mm-hmm. and that'll give you your nitrogen, your potassium, um, and your phosphorus into your soil. So we're really, it is not that, you, you know, so it's like you can use stuff that's a little bit cheaper, um, as you, if you, if you need to, and
3: mm-hmm. then
2: just fortify it with the things that you might already have in your home. We probably don't have time to get into all this, but I know that um, y'all did a post about bananas and I just mm-hmm. been feeling guilty every time I throw out like banana peels. Cause I'm just like, girl, you could be using this for something. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. It's so many foods that you can use as fertilizer. Oh, yeah. And so now I'm always thinking about that. So that's definitely something like I want to start making, I know we just start. we just talked about earlier about like the scarcity mm-hmm. mindset because same yep. thing, like girl, you gonna eat all that food, period. But I really don't, I really like don't like having to throw away things that I know. Like if I see that y'all post, like hey, you can use X, Y, Z. Now I'm throwing away this tissue roll, and I'm like, girl, you could be starting a garden, you know. Now you're just <laughs> wasting stuff, but I'm glad to know because I feel like eventually I'm gonna be able to like have a less wasteful life but I think there are like sustainable ways for us to recycle versus like the ways that sometimes people push that aren't really like I know a lot of places have those little recycle bins but I Mm -hmm. heard that sometimes they just be throwing it with the garbage like the Mm -hmm. people that pick (laughs) Uh, it up so I'm like (laughs) yeah Yeah. I'm
0: like in retail and like been like I I worked at a shop and like our because we were like on the end of one of those little like small strip things and the whole place would come and dump their recycling in it and our store was responsible for it and i stayed back one day to pick up some extra hours and they just threw it all in the trash i was (laughs) mortified i was like what (laughs) they were like yeah we don't have a guy that comes through i'm like "Ah!" just like what but right what was the point then it was just like, wow, you lying to everybody. I should go blow this whole thing up with some
2: <laughs> It's for show. It's for show. I remember when I found out it was for show at the college. I won't name Leah at our college. I think they did that. <laughs> they did that. I was like, wow, that's predictable. But um, yeah. Well, is there anything else you all would like to share about Finnegan's Farms um, or info about how listeners can find you? oh yeah yeah definitely follow us along on
0: instagram at finnegan's farms and you can check us out on our website at finnegan's farms.com um we have a plant sale coming up so we're not doing we were originally going to have like a plant pop-up like uh you know come through get your plants get all your other goodies for the garden for the year um or for the for the season but Michigan is doing some crazy stuff with these COVID numbers right now, so we're hosting it virtually, which means that it is available to anyone who comes on our website um, during the weekend of April 24th and April 25th, so all of our proceeds for that weekend will go towards a project that we're doing for an urban farm in Detroit, so they're restoring some things on their property, and so we're raising money for that. So that's like our, come, you know, come support us in that so we can help, you know, support some of our other partners in the projects that they're doing.
2: I know, I want to ask, there's this shirt. I don't think y'all are selling (laughs) it, but I'm asking anyway. There was this shirt, I think that you had on, Amanda, that was like, um, they don't have money for food or so. Oh, the system is designed for us to be (laughs) hungry. Oh yeah, the the system is designed to keep us hungry. Yep. (laughs) Do y'all sell that shirt yet? Because I've been waiting. I'm not even going to lie. Ever since I seen it, I was like, no, I need to get that shirt so I can go to campus and be seen and defend people. Um,
0: It's actually, you know, so we have like some of our tees that we posted. So like our Black Girls Green Thumb t-shirt is is pretty popular. Um, Nobody wants to walk around with our logo on. But if you do, we have Fitting Against Farms tees. <laughs> um and then we actually when you come so the plant sale will actually be the same weekend launch as our brand new merch so our merch for this season is coming out um but yeah well sometimes we just will wear shirts to yeah. see people's <laughs> interest in it so I'm glad you said that because then we can just order which you know do. I like know
1: a, Maybe, I don't know you never drop. know we might have a plant uh specialty pop up soon <laughs>
2: I like the other shirt too, but I definitely want the, um, the system. The system is, I keep forgetting, but I know that I want it. Okay. I keep
0: forgetting. You know, when I made that one, I thought it was too controversial. Like I was like, this is not going to go over well. No. Um, but yeah, we, you, I think are probably like the fifth or sixth person that's like, I didn't want to say it, but I've been waiting for that shirt. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just post it up.
3: Did you have any final thoughts, Leah? Um, No, but I did want to thank y'all for coming and sharing all of this knowledge. Um, So, yeah, thank y'all for being here.
0: Oh, oh, thanks, thanks for having for us. <laughs> having us fun. on here, yes. <laughs> thanks for asking.
2: <laughs> yeah, and thank y'all for all the educational um like resources that y'all are putting on the Instagram because I'm always learning something new. Um, so I really appreciate it. And it has me thinking about like my future relationship to like building a garden and that kind of thing. So I appreciate it. Yeah, for
0: sure. We're just trying to kind of get like- people in that mindset of like self-sufficiency, but more so mm-hmm. in the way of like, this is really what's like our ticket to freedom is like doing for ourselves. So any information that we can share that will lead people to that and just, you know, be that guide for other people of like, oh, you know what? I didn't think about that until they posted it. Then we're like, yes, (laughs) that's exactly what we were looking for. Yes. Like, let's let's do this. So we love hearing people say that. I'm always shocked um, when people say that. (laughs) but Yeah, I always get so shocked. I'm like, people are reading this stuff.
1: <laughs> yes! Oh my goodness, you guys. She's uh, you. She's being completely honest. Amanda comes up with the just like the most amazing thing, most powerful thing that she posts, and she'll come to me. She's like, "Is that too much? Does this sound too, too just And I'm like, "Girl, post that. People vibe with that. Like, p- put it up there." And she doesn't even realize how impactful it is. Amanda, yeah, this like, is why <laughs> Yeah, I don't check our
0: Instagram insights <laughs> at all. Know. Like, I mean, I, I do, to, but. but- I don't check them. Like I trained myself to not look at them because I was like, I'm not going to look like who, you know, I'm going to put it out there and it'll resonate with
2: somebody. So when you say that, that means like, it means a whole lot. For sure. Yeah, no, it's never too much. I think it's so important. I know we're going over, but I think it's so important (laughs) to like not separate things like farming from justice. Like I just... I don't think you could talk about that's That's the same way. Like people who talk about systemic racism, like if you're not talking about the environment, then I'm just like, I don't know, man, you need to add some more to that analysis because everything (laughs) is all connected. Um, So I appreciate just the educational aspect. I think that's really important. Like I got all I got these degrees and stuff, but I really don't know nothing about the land <laughs> and taking care of the land. And I mean I learned all of this stuff from like people who are actually out of the community, mm-hmm. like environmental racism. The new thing yeah. that I learned from y'all, food apartheid. Like these are things that I learned from people actually working in the communities, and not schools. So I just mm-hmm. think it's important. Yep. Well I guess that's the show. Thank y'all for listening. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if you like this episode, you can like, rate, and review Hoodoo Plant Mamas or Apple Podcasts. Give us those five stars. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'll make sure to share it on the show.
3: Medusa Two Stone wrote, I love everything about each episode. Thank you. If anything from the show resonated with you, make sure to share it with us on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hoodoo Plants and Instagram at Hoodoo Plant Mamas. Stay tuned for our next episode. Bye. Bye.